Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Your host, Josh, here today. I'm going to be talking about Saquon Barkley, the Giants taking calls for him, what teams I would like to see Saquon go to, then Mitch Trubisky, the Bills do not expect to keep him, and they expect him to field other offers and sign to another team. So what teams I would like to see Mitch Trubisky go to, then What's next for the AFC West teams? What do they need to do uh, to get back to where they were yesterday or last year and get a little better? Then yesterday, I also made a few picks as well in the NBA, college basketball, and I was almost right on every pick. I got one wrong. I'm going to recap those. Then I'm going to talk about my top five teams in the NHL right now. So let's get into it. Starting with the Arizona Cardinals and what is new with them. Well, the Arizona Cardinals have extended general manager Steve Keim and head coach Cliff Kingsbury through the 2027 season, the team announced. So there you go. All this drama on Kyler Murray and him not getting paid. And you know who's getting paid? Two people who haven't made much noise in Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. Look what happened. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray have the same record in the NFL because they've came in together at a quarterback uh, coach duo. And Cliff Kingsbury has kept his mouth shut. And look what happens. He's rewarded with a contract extension. Steve Kime has kept relatively quiet other than reaffirming he likes Kyler or wants to keep on building uh, to win playoff games, win a Super Bowl. Nothing negative. What happens to him? He gets rewarded with a contract extension. Now, Kyler Murray, who hasn't kept his mouth shut this offseason. What happens to him? Well, he is still waiting for his contract extension. And may I tell you that also, Kyler Murray... And Cliff Kingsbury share the same agent. So you know you're going to have a general manager, coach duo for the next five years. How does Kyler play a part of this with sharing the same agent? You know, is the focus now going to turn to Kyler Murray and getting a deal done with him as soon as possible? I saw in Pro Football Focus yesterday, one of my favorite websites, that a contract extension could look something like six years, $275 million. And I think that is just outrageous to pay Kyler that kind of money. Now, we don't know what kind of money Kingsbury or Kime's getting, but I'll let you know it's nowhere near in the ballpark of that estimates, uh, nor do I think it's anywhere near what the better coaches are making, the Sean McVeighs and... Uh, you know, Bill Belichick's of a world. But you had people congratulate Kingsbury on his well-earned contract extension. Now, with those two out of the way, everything is on Kyler Murray, who's going to be on his fourth year of his rookie deal. And the team hinted that they're going to pick up his fifth-year option and when they pick that up, you know, not this coming year, but the following year, 
it'll probably be something around $20 million. So this year, it'll be playing around you know a million dollars in the following year it'll be around 20 million now when people think of contract extensions you know they think they get that money and then they'd have to wait automatically they sign an extension it's over but that's not the case you know with the salary cap and the way negotiations are right now a lot of that is into a signing bonus. So, you know, guys will get, you know, 20, 30, sometimes $40 million signing bonuses or being on a bonus for a roster date. So that's kind of what Kyler is looking for right there. He's looking to get $40 million in his pocket right now. Now, is he worth $40 million in his pocket right now? No, 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 no. Uh, he is not worth that. Uh, I look at him against the Rams you know, two games in December, January, one playoff game, one big game for division, uh, came up short both times. But Colts, Christmas Day, I was there, and guess what? Didn't look that good. Game against the Seahawks, the defense was bad, but I thought he could have played a little better as well. So, again, Kyler's not that guy. I look at his uh, health and injury issues as well that he's had this year. Uh, and towards the end of last year, it kind of costed him a playoff spot. I'm not sold on Kyler Murray whatsoever. So I think it's right to hold off a contract extension for him. Or I wouldn't, you know, lowball him or anything like that. But I'd give him a fair offer in the Derek Carr range of $25 million per year. If I were to look at that, Ryan Tannehill. I evaluate him, and that's what he does. When you throw crazy pick sixes out of a pocket and you don't throw the ball away, when you make stupid decisions like Matt Stafford, like Carson Wentz, like Kyler Murray, you know what happens? You don't get paid the money like Patrick Mahomes. No, you get a tier or two lower uh, right there where he is not a top 10 quarterback in the league, so I'm not paying him top 10 money in the league. Uh, so yes, I would have him around Ryan Tannehill to uh, Derek Carr money, the twenty to twenty-five million dollars a year. Ain't no way I'm mortgaging my financial future for Kyler Murray when I don't believe in Kyler Murray to elevate his play beyond, uh, you know, that of his teammates and to reach the greater goal. I just don't see it happening. Uh, and what have we seen in recent years? We've seen people restructure their contracts to take less money. Tom Brady, notorious for doing that throughout his career, to get the players he wanted on his team and to have his team be the best, never took the max dollar amount. Patrick Mahomes last year, you know, Signed a huge, you know, $500 million contract a couple years ago. This past year, he restructured it to allow for other people, for them to revamp the offensive line and do different things. That is a winning mentality right there. Sacrificing a few million to make the team better. Now, is Kyler Murray like that? No, I don't believe there is. There's not many quarterbacks or players like that at all that'll sacrifice a few million dollars uh, to win championships, I believe, anymore. Uh, 
So, Kyler Murray, don't see him as the future of the Cardinals uh, organization. I believe he'll be back next year, uh, this coming year. I believe he'll play out his fifth-year option as well. And I think after this year, you know, if at that point they deem he's not the starting quarterback, not the right fit, I think they trade him. But I do not see a long relationship between the Arizona Cardinals and the and Kyler Murray. I'm not sold on Kyler, and I believe the Arizona Cardinals aren't sold on Kyler Murray as well. Moving on. Saquon Barkley. The Giants are taking calls for their, I don't know if you want to call them star, former star, running back, whatever you want to say, from Saquon Barkley. Uh, he was guaranteed, you know, $7 million of his fifth-year option that they picked up. Now, Saquon, very high draft pick in the uh, 2018 NFL Draft. I believe, was the second pick to the New York Giants. Now, he's dealt with a lot of injuries uh, the past few years that has limited him. First year, great year. Looked just electric, just like Penn State transitioned to the New York Giants perfectly, which was a bad New York Giants team, but he was great. Pro bowler. Uh, 1,300 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns as well. Caught seven, uh, had 700 yards out of the backfield receiving on 91 receptions. And he had 2,000 yards from scrimmage that season. Went on to win, you know, Offensive Rookie of the Year as well. Made the Pro Bowl. Fantastic season. Then the following year, you know, limited due to injuries, but still had a thousand yards, a very productive running back. Uh, then the following year, uh, tore his ACL out the season. Then this past year, uh, you know, started off slowly, limited due to some knee injuries, only could have 500 uh, yards rushing. So injuries are a big concern for Saquon Barkley. And if I'm the Giants, I do consider taking calls on him uh, because I think this $7 million a year that he's guaranteed, I'm not paying him for more than that. And I don't know if I just want to drop him off in free agency when I spend a number two pick on him, number two overall pick in the first round. Now, are we going to get a first round pick for Saquon Barkley? No, but you need some draft picks. You need to revamp this team. And just a side note regarding the New York Giants, I have never, you know, seen a team be so bad for so long, along with the New York Jets. I mean, they it's just porous how bad they are. I mean, it's abysmal that you're that bad and you constantly, you know, have a higher draft pick than most of the league, but you can't draft, you can't develop, you can't do anything right. I mean, the New York Giants, and along, I'll put the New York Jets in there as well, they're just bad football. At least the Lions have made the playoffs a couple times in the past 10 years. The Browns were on the right track now. But the Giants and the Jets, that's just bad football, and the Giants especially. So if I'm Saquon, I think I kind of want out of that situation as well. I think it would be good mutually 
to leave the Giants, who's just terrible, and if I'm the Giants, to maybe, just maybe, better my franchise, which, again, is no guarantee for them. So who are some teams I'd want to see him go to? One is the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're rich, you know, why not get richer? How talented would that be? I still am not sold on any one of the running backs for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not sold on uh, McKinnon or Damian Williams or uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm not sold on any of those guys. None of those guys inspire confidence in me. None of those guys, I believe, can carry the rock 20 times a game you know, and get 100 to 120 yards per game. I don't see that from any of those guys, and I know that's a pass-first team. But to me, Saquon Barkley is a little better receiver than all of those guys out of the backfield as well. And to me, you look at the health of Saquon Barkley and you know he's not a third down, uh, you know, three down back, going to play every drive or every snap. It's not going to happen. So I think adding him to that rotation with Clyde Edwards-Alaire would make this Kansas City Chiefs team so much more dangerous. Patrick Mahomes, Barkley out of the backfield, you rotate in. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, then you got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. That's a vaunted offense. That's kind of, you take this Chiefs offense to the level that they're out at now, to just nuclear threat, you know, level midnight right there. If they were to add Saquon Barkley, I would love to see it. However, I don't see it happening because they have other issues to deal with, you know, confined in the salary cap. But Saquon to the Chiefs, I would love. And, you know, the Chiefs, are a team that, you know, swings big, so nothing surprises me with what they do. Another team I could see Saquon going to and benefiting from, the Baltimore Ravens. Why? Well, Baltimore Ravens, it's a rush-heavy offense. They're going to run the ball with Lamar 15 times a game. They're going to run the read option, half their plays, so you add in Saquon Barkley to a great rotation of running backs that they have. You're going to get J.K. Dobbins back. You're going to get Gus Edwards. You add Saquon to that backfield. I mean, that takes them back to where, you know, Lamar uh, was the MVP. And they had, were the number one rushing attack in the league. You add Saquon to that, that helps. And then also, knowing Lamar, and I'm very critical of Lamar and his downfield throws, downfield accuracy. You have the perfect checkdown running back right there in Saquon Barkley as well. You have your comfort guy in Mark Andrews, but then you got Saquon Barkley just dump the ball off and then he can go make a play. So I think adding Saquon to this rushing attack by committee, again, health is a problem, not going to play every down, and he wouldn't be required to do that in this Ravens offense either. I think it would be a great fit. Now, who's another team I'd like to see him go to? The Buffalo Bills. Yes, a team that has struggled riding the football, hasn't found a real number one in Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. Saquon would be the real deal. And now, to me, he would have to play a little bit more than the other two teams that I mentioned, but you still got... 
you know, some backup there in Singletary or Moss. But Saquon right there with Josh Allen again. And Josh Allen in the playoffs, especially against the Chiefs, when they kind of ran the quarterback draw or the read option, Josh Allen looked like the best dual threat quarterback in the game right there. His arm talent combined with his ability to run the football at 6'5", 240, was brilliant. So you had a big back in there like Saquon Barkley. That does some damage. I mean, you got teams worrying about Stephon Diggs on the outside, Cole Beasley in the slot. You know, is Josh Allen going to truck me head on? Can I take this 240 hit? Or do I pass the ball off to Saquon Barkley, make the read option, and then you have that defender right there caught like a deer in headlights. Am I choosing Allen? Am I choosing Barkley? Oh, I'm just going to stay here frozen. One of them's going to take off. That would be big for the Buffalo Bills. And it would be big for them because it would allow them to get back to the AFC Championship game to, you know, be one up on the Kansas City Chiefs, to be right there with the Cincinnati Bengals. That's another uh, big key right there. The Buffalo Bills were to sign Saquon Barkley. So Giants are taking calls. Those are the three teams I would love to see Saquon go to. You know, the Chiefs, Ravens, the Bills. And I think if you're any of those teams, you don't have to unload draft picks. I think, to me, for a player like Saquon right now, you know, trade a couple third rounders, third and a fourth. uh, And I think that will honestly get the job done. I do not see Saquon getting traded for a first round or even a second round pick, especially considering that there's not going to be a running back taken in the first round this year. Now moving on to Mitch Trubisky of the Buffalo Bills, who they do not expect to be back this year. You know, was a quarterback for four years in uh, Chicago, let him go to Buffalo, and, you know, they don't expect the luxury of having him there as a backup. They say they'd love to have him back, but they just don't expect it. I don't expect it either, and I think he could benefit a few teams. Uh, There is five teams I would love to see him go to, and they are all for the same exact reason. First team I would love to see him go to is the Miami Dolphins. Why? Simply put, quarterback battle with Tua Tagovailoa. I look at Tua, and I'm not convinced he's their guy. I'm not sure if the Dolphins are convinced he's their guy. And when you look at, you know, Tua's numbers compared to Mitch Trubisky's numbers over the course of a season, you know, this year... You know, he played 13 games and had 2,600 yards. I look at a comparable season, and I think that's 2019 for Mitch, where he had like, or 2018, excuse me. He had 14 games and 3,200 yards, made the Pro Bowl in 14 games, 24 touchdowns. That's something Tua's never done. I do think Tua and Mitch Trubisky are on the same level, and I think... This would be big for the Dolphins, for Mitch, for Tua, because it's a true quarterback competition. And to me, 
in quarterback competitions, one usually rises above the rest. It's not like take our pick between our two bad quarterbacks. It's like, hey, one has proven that he's our number one quarterback this season. And I think the pressure would be on Tua. Do I know if Mitch Trubisky would uh, overtake Tua in the role this year? I don't know, but I think it would be an option worth exploring to push Tua to try to get more out of him. And I think Mitch just being in the offensive scheme that was in Buffalo, even though he wasn't starting, I think he benefited better one year in Buffalo, better than four years in Chicago. Why? Because he got to learn from a better quarterback in Josh Allen, and he had a better coach in Sean McDermott than in Matt Nagy. So I think that was big for him, big for his growth as well, to kind of take this year off. I think the Miami Dolphins would benefit from having Mitch Trubisky. Who's another team I think would benefit for the same reason? The Cleveland Browns. No, I am not sold on Baker Mayfield. Again, no Pro Bowls still to Mitch Trubisky's one Pro Bowl. You know, I look at his yards thrown throughout his career. He's around the 14,000 yard mark. You know, Mitch Trubisky around the 10,000 yard mark. Uh, But, you know, Baker couple good years but this year was just abysmal and there was kind of an attitude towards him like uh that you know I'm the starter no matter what I'm starting no matter what my injuries are I'm the guy here you know Cleveland this is my team and I'm just not buying it I'm not convinced that this is Baker's team uh because it's hard to uh Talk the talk when you are not walking the walk. And let me say I'm happy that football season's over because I don't have to see any more Baker Mayfield progressive commercials uh, the rest of the season until next year starts. And I don't even think Baker Mayfield deserves those commercials uh, at all. I'd rather see Flo sponsoring progressive than Baker Mayfield, if I'm being completely honest. Uh Again, Mitch Trubisky in his Pro Bowl season had a higher completion percentage than Baker has ever had in his career at 66%. Baker Mayfield's highest completion percentage was 63 his rookie year. Again, his highest QBR two years ago, 65. Mitch's highest QBR uh, was 71 his Pro Bowl season. So I'm looking at these two guys, and on Baker Mayfield, my fifth-year option picked up. This is the last year of my contract. You know, I'm thinking to myself, I got to deliver now because if I'm the Browns, ain't no way I'm signing Baker to any contract extension whatsoever. I bring in Mitch Trubisky, and I have a quarterback duel and say, hey, one of you guys are going to be the guy here, you know, if it's just for one year. I think this, you know, will push Baker. I think it's better for Baker as well, too, because he is a competitive individual that plays with a fire, with a chip on his shoulder. I think you bring a guy like Mitch, you're bringing the best out of Baker Mayfield. I think he has a fantastic season. If they bring in someone like Mitch that, you know, 
makes Baker work for it. Because if you give it to Baker, guess what? He ain't going to do anything with it. You're going to have to make him work for it. Who's another team I'd like to see Mitch go to? How about the New York Giants? Yes, a bad franchise. Don't think we're going to get a star quarterback this time. But if you're going to tell me Daniel Jones is the guy, I'm going to laugh in your face because Daniel Jones is not the guy who has a 12-25 record in his three years with the New York Giants who has passed for over 3,000 yards once in his career, 24 touchdowns once, highest completion percentage at 64 of his past year, QBR at 55 his rookie year. Not a good quarterback, uh, not a comparable quarterback at all. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, to me, is a far better quarterback than Daniel Jones and would, to me, to me, already be an upgrade if they were to sign him over Daniel Jones. That would be a huge pickup for the uh, New York Giants. Now, if the New York Giants are still in full rebuild mode and really don't want any wins, then I say you keep Daniel Jones around because you have a higher chance of winning with Mitch Trubisky. He's a better quarterback. He's got the better numbers. Uh, Again, he's got a Pro Bowl, and the three quarterbacks I just named don't have a combined Pro Bowl with them. Uh, Again, five comebacks, seven game-winning drives. That's on par with the Baker Mayfield right there. So again, not sold on Daniel Jones at all with the New York Giants and just how terrible they are, I think, going the route of um, Mitch Trubisky would be far better for the New York Giants. Who else would I like to see him go to for the same reasons? Carolina. Again, I'm not sold on Sam Darnold. Didn't have a great year. Cam Newton didn't have a great year. Who knows if they resign him? I think you put Mitch Trubisky in that same spot. Like I've been saying, quarterback battle, it'll push these teams and those players. And who's the last team I want to mention? The Washington Commanders football team, whatever you want to call them. I think that's a team you look at as well. I don't think they're going to get any major quarterback on the market in the draft through trade. Don't think it's going to happen. Don't think they land an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or a Kyler or any disgruntled quarterback at all. I think they're stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke. Two, you know, unappealing options. Taylor Heineke has a couple decent games, but to me, he's not a bona fide starter in this league. So what do I bring in? I bring another quarterback in Mitch Trubisky is kind of a three-way uh, uh, type of um, battle right there between Fitzpatrick, Heineke, and Mitch Trubisky. And that's where things, you know, get really interesting but can also go off the rails. You know, when the Bears this year had Justin Fields, uh, Nick Foles, and Andy Dalton, you know, the drama there and which one's going to start. And it was like a true quarterback carousel just with one team. You know, you could have that distraction with the football team. But the one difference is that the Bears selected Justin Fields with their first round pick. All these guys have basically come via free agency. So it's not like you have one guy you're kind of grooming and knowing, hey, it's going to be Justin Fields. It's like, take your pick right now. Take your pick here. You know, we'll just ride with the hot hand and hope to win some games and hopefully upset the Cowboys once in our division. That's what I would think 
is best for them. So Mitch Trubisky, I believe, leaves the Bills and goes to a team where he'll help our inadvertently help the team out. Now moving on to the AFC West as I conclude the AFC and I have gone through in my podcast what is needed for each AFC team. I have reached the last AFC division, AFC West. So let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs and what they need who were the number two seed in the AFC, 12-5, and won their division, went to the AFC Championship game and lost to the Bengals. What do they need to do to get back there and then, uh, you know, hopefully make it back to the Super Bowl? Well, to me, the biggest thing is that they're fine. But one thing they need to do in free agency this year, it's signed the Honey Badger, Taran Matthew, to a contract extension. That is their biggest and most pressing concern uh, over everything. I mean, I believe they uh, will work out a deal. I think they will as well. And you need him. You need him in the secondary. You know, he's a three-team, three-time first-team All-Pro He's a three-time Pro Bowler who the past three years has just been the anchor of this Kansas City uh, secondary uh, who's had 13 interceptions in the past three years with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, two of those uh, being pick sixes as well. Uh, He gets in for a couple of sacks into the backfield, good in coverage as well. Tyran Matthew, you know, is the real deal, is the full package. So if I'm the Chiefs, I'm looking to sign him. You know, I cut Anthony Hitchens. I'll cut Frank Clark if I have to. I'll restructure some contracts. I'll cut other players uh, in order to resign Tyran Matthew. Because if I don't have him with, with this young secondary, kind of a core leader back there, uh, I think things could go a little awry. So my priority is signing Tyran Matthew in praying that Patrick Mahomes, you know, doesn't have a bad fat half of football and replicate what he did against the Bengals. But yes, signing the Honey Badger is the biggest key to their success next season. That is what they need to do. What about the Las Vegas Raiders? Derek Carr just had his first playoff game and lost to Joe Shiesty. What do the Vegas Raiders need to do? To get back for the playoffs and maybe win a game. Uh, I'm going to just say this isn't the one thing they need to do, but it's going to happen. Uh, is, you know, they need to make sure that Josh McDaniel is their guy, their head coach that they signed. But what does Josh McDaniel need to do? He needs to get a wide receiver number one. Henry Ruggs, no longer with the team. And to me, your number one wide receiver cannot be Hunter Renfro. He can be great out of a slot like a Cole Beasley type of player. But he cannot run every route on the route tree. I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, good route runner, but he's not special. I don't look at Hunter Renfro and say, hey, he's going to beat me with the deep ball. He's going to Cooper cut me for a year. It's not going to happen. He's not that guy. Darren Waller, fantastic tight end. Top five tight end in the game. He's, he's great, phenomenal. But they need a true 
number one wide receiver that can take the top off of the defense. That is what they need. That's what Derek Carr needs as well. Uh, Already great season, great numbers, but to get even better, to get this team even better, they need a number one wide receiver. And it's kind of clear in the division that has number one wide receivers where Kansas City has Tyreek Hill, Chargers have Keenan Allen, and the Denver Broncos have Jerry Judy. And even the Chargers, I mean, yeah, Denver has Jerry Judy. So this is a team that needs a number one wide receiver like those guys. So, you know, to win this division, it's what they need to win more games. It's what they need. They need a true number one wide out. Now, what do the Chargers need? They need a run stopper. Uh, Justin Herbert is your guy. You got Mike Williams, Keenan Allen on the outside. You drafted offensive line and also added some through free agency. To me, offense is good. And you got Austin Eckler. This is a good offense. But to me, they need a run stopper. Uh, You got Joey Bosa, who's fantastic as a pass rusher. Good as a run stopper, but to me, you need an excellent run stopper, especially for the type of system that Brandon Staley loves, which I don't really love, but it worked out with the Rams. Why? Because he had Jalen Ramsey at cornerback, and he had one of the best run stoppers and pass rushers combined in Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players in history ever in Aaron Donald. So he could run shallow five, six man box and put everybody in coverage. And it would win a lot because of Aaron Donald. But guess what? Joey Bosa is not Aaron Donald. And they don't have an Aaron Donald. So what do they need? They need a run stopper up the middle uh, to allow Joey Bosa to rush the passer, to get after the quarterback, but then allow you know that run stopper to be able to get after Josh Jacobs so he doesn't run you know, 10, 15 yards to allow them to kick a game-winning field goal and eliminate you from a playoffs. That is what the Chargers need. That's what Brandon Staley needs, you know, to get Justin Herbert to the playoffs, to make some noise. This is what the Los Angeles Chargers need. Now, what about the Denver Broncos? They need a quarterback. That's it. That's the cherry on top. That's why we've been talking about Aaron Rodgers to Denver or some quarterback to Denver because they need a quarterback, you know, Running back by committee is fine with what they have. Wide receiver core, I think, is good. Uh, led by Jerry Judy. Then your defense is fine. You're going to get Bradley Chubb back as well. You kind of explore that secondary great with Simmons at safety and Pat Sertan and other guys you signed. So that's all set. You got a good roster. Uh, and, you know, you were 7-10. and 10. You know, with your roster, you know, with Cortland Sutton and Melvin Gordon and, you know, Williams and all of them. So it was fine. But Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, aren't the guys, you know, they have, they had somebody like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? This 7 and 10 team, to me, would have been 11 and 6, 12 and 5. That's what they would have been. Uh, with a different quarterback because they've got the talent on the team, but they need a quarterback. And I believe this team is in a win-now mode 
to where they're desperate. They got a good head coach uh, coming off from a Packers staff. So this is a guy who knows what it takes to win and, you know, was with Aaron Rodgers. So Denver, go out, get your quarterback. You're not going to find one in the draft, but go out, swing as big as you can, offer those first round picks, offer those second round picks if you believe you're going to win a championship with this roster. Again, tough division with Justin Herbert, with Derek Carr, Pat Mahomes. But Denver have to go down swinging on this one to get a quarterback. So those are what the AFC West teams need. Kansas City, sign Tehran Matthew ASAP. Las Vegas, get that wide receiver one. You're not getting Devontae Adams. Look to the draft, please. Trade up, get a Drake London from USC, or wait till get a Jamison Williams falling to you. Chargers, get the run stopper. Maybe add Starlu to Lele if uh, the Bills cut him. And Denver, go out, get a quarterback. And if you don't, better luck next year. Now moving on to the NBA. Last night, I made two picks. My first pick was the Celtics and the Hawks. And... I picked the Celtics to win that game. And let me tell you, I was nervous there when it was 50-33 to 33 Hawks and they were making every shot with a 17-point lead. I thought, oh my, this is not looking good for me, you know, at all. I do not see it. You know, Trey Young down, uh, Jalen Brown down, but Jalen Brown didn't return to the game. Trey Young did. You know, Trey Young dropped 31 points. Uh, yesterday played great, but who outplayed him? The guy I thought he would, Jason Tatum, to me, outplayed uh, the Atlanta Hawks in this defense, which has been great, you know, the past month or so, allowing less than 100 points per game. Did it again to the Hawks, allowed, you know, 98 points after a great first half by the Hawks. The defense really clicked for the Celtics in the second half. Uh, Hawks limited to 13 points in the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, 20 a combined 33 points in the second half. That is how you beat teams. That elite defense right there uh, by everybody. Uh, by Tatum. By Marcus Smart. Uh, by Williams. I mean, the whole team I thought played good, especially in the absence of Jalen Brown as well, to win this game from being in such an early deficit uh, to come back. It showed great spirit there from the Celtics as well. Great wins. Glad I got the pick right. What was the other pick I got right? I picked the Mavericks to beat the Lakers, and early on it looked ugly. Looked like the Lakers were just going to get, you know, ran out of the building. Yet again, just Luka running them off the field, this whole team. And I thought it was over. And then the third quarter, the Lakers erupt on and outscore them 31-14 to in the third quarter. You know, LeBron, good from, uh, made three threes that quarter. Was great, made a logo three, looked good. Malik Monk was shooting well, Carmelo Anthony. Things were looking up, but they take the lead, and what happens? You know, the Mavericks blow their big lead, 
Lakers take it. And the Lakers can't finish. They just can't. They can't finish uh, at all. They're not clutch at all. And it's just sad. Uh, as well, LeBron, 26 points, I thought, played really good. Uh, but Russell well, Russell Westbrook, 5 of 17. 0 for 4 from 3. If I'm Russell Westbrook, I'm not even taking threes. Even his jumpers look up. Every shot that he takes, it looks so bad. Nothing, you know... Nothing he ever shoots looks like it's going into me. It's just pure luck at this point because he's got—he's not a shooter, doesn't have the shooter's touch. He's just bad. It's just plain, simple bad. It's sad to watch. And the Lakers, who I said have so many primetime games, it just looked more abysmal. And they're on the verge now of missing the play-in as New Orleans and Portland are just two games back of them. They're closer to making the missing the playoffs than they are to being a secure play-in team. That's how bad the uh, Los Angeles Lakers are. That's how sorry they are. Uh, I'm not going to go into LeBron because you know if LeBron was putting up his numbers right now on a team that was in contention, like the Miami Heat, like the Cleveland Cavs, like the Utah Jazz. He would be in the MVP conversation if his team was winning games. But they're not. So he's not in the MVP conversation. And then everybody else on his team is not even a starter to me. Russell Westbrook is no longer a starter. Malik Monk, great bench player, but he should not be a starter. AR-15, again, great bench player, shouldn't be a starter. Stanley Johnson, good bench player, shouldn't be a starter. So they've got good bench players. But they're all starting, and that should not be the case. All problems with the Lakers. Just a bad, bad team, bad year. And it looks like it is only going to get worse from here. So it's not like there's any hope. It's just worse and worse. And what else? Two other favorites people have liked to talk about earlier in the season, but have kind of died down now. One, the Nets... They lost again to the Raptors on a back-to-back, uh, 109-108 for the Raptors. That helps them out, you know, gets a little edge there, gets closer to a secure playoff spot and not playing in the play-in. Because if I'm a Raptors, I don't know if I want to play Kevin Durant in a play-in game. I mean, that doesn't sound enticing to me if I'm Toronto. I'm trying to get to that sixth seed. And people, like I said with the Lakers, Lakers just keep on getting beat while they're down. Well, that same with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, how they've had no Kyrie, no Ben Simmons, no KD. It, teams are just beating them down. You know, I think Kevin Durant will turn with them the next week or two. But there's reports that Ben Simmons might not even play this year. That with his back issue, reported that he can't even dunk. And, you know, the team might not be expecting him for any of a regular season game. And he had to play in the playoffs. I mean... This, this isn't good that you traded James Harden, who's just balling out in Philly right now and having a good old time, and you traded for uh, Seth Curry, two-round draft picks, and essentially a bag of chips and Ben Simmons at this point. That's what he is. Uh, to me, 
Ben Simmons might be turning into an Anthony Davis type guy if he keeps up this injury thing uh, going. But no, not a good look for Brooklyn. They keep on losing. Not good. And the Warriors also lost again. Now that's two in a row. Carl Anthony Towns, brilliant last night with 39 points. Uh, Match Steph's brilliance of 34 points. But again, yesterday, no Clay Thompson playing. Uh, also, have had no Draymond Green for a while now. Steph Curry just cannot carry this team right now. They're still good, still efficient, but you know, with how good the West is, how many good players are on the West, it's hard for even the great shooter that is Steph Curry to overcome you know all the issues and mask everything on this Golden State Warriors team. So tonight, I am picking two games in the NBA again as well. Last night, I was two for two. Let's see if I can be two for two again. First one, Knicks and 76ers. Uh, This is a rematch of Sunday's game in which the 76ers beat the Knicks at Madison Square Garden, 125-109. This time, it's in Philly, and I think... The 76ers win again and improve to 3-0 with Embiid and Harden sharing the floor. Uh, But I do think New York is desperate. They played a great game on Sunday but came up short. Uh, But this is kind of getting close to the Knicks right now where it could be time for an implosion this offseason. And to me, 76ers are just too good. Joel Embiid, James Harden are going to get to the free throw line, you know, to me it combined like 30 times a game. They're going to be great. They're going to score 110, 120 points. They're going to hold the Knicks down, and the Knicks have just been playing awful lately. They've lost nine of their past 10. And they'll just have no answer for Embiid, for James Harden. Tyrese Maxey will be open as well. So, again, this 76ers team is for real. I like him a lot. And this Knicks team is not for real. And I don't like him a lot. So, 76ers winning this game tonight. I expect it to be the similar range. You know, 10-15 point win for the 76ers. Then the second game. The Trailblazers and the Suns. The Suns have lost... You know, their past two games, which hasn't happened in a while. Uh, Tonight, we play the Trailblazers. And I'm picking the Suns to kind of rebound and get the win. It's not often that I pick the Suns, but, you know, Portland and everything they're going through, uh, how many people are out for them. I just don't see the Suns dropping three, especially to the Trailblazers. I think Devin Booker will have a great game. Uh, and what he'll do is he'll be able to one-man show this Suns team and have Portland. At least the Suns have their one star in Devin Booker, whereas the Trailblazers don't have any stars available for them at this point. Cameron Johnson has just been shooting lights out lately as well for the Suns. I think that streak continues, and I think that the Suns get this win, and I think the win is convincing as well, I don't see Portland hanging around in this game uh, with everybody that they have out. 
I think the Suns, how efficient they are offensively, how efficient they are defensively, how good of a coach Monty Williams is, I think the Suns beat the Trailblazers tonight. So those are the two games I picked, two games televised, but there is another good game I'm not going to pick, but it is up there with the better games on tonight. Uh, it's probably the best game on tonight. And that is the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. You got the Heat who are in first in the conference, Eastern Conference, and you got Milwaukee in fourth. You know, Miami, to me, has posed the most problems for the Bucks over the past few years. Eric Spolster on this defense, uh, you know, other than, you know, last year's playoff series, uh, to me, the Heat have been the better team than them, you know, the playoff series two years ago, uh, regular season matchups, the Heat kind of have their way, uh, they're looking for their fifth straight win, so I think this is going to be an excellent game, it's in Milwaukee, but this Heat, Milwaukee, to me, little Eastern Conference Finals preview, it could be or even the second round matchup, this to me, I'm looking forward uh, to watching watching the highlights from is the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now moving on, it became official that the MLB officially locked out. It's officially done. Uh, first two series are canceled after no deadline deal. And it doesn't look good. Looks over. And to me, I don't see MLB recovering this season, next season, the season after that. A lot of people, looks like they're going to be done with the MLB. Myself included. I don't need to watch the MLB. There's other things on for me to watch. The only time that baseball really enters my life is July and August when nothing's on. And then I'll watch, you know, baseball playoffs in October. Those are the only three months I care about. So, you know, now with no baseball starting up next month, what's my attention to be focused to? NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Uh, then, you know, come July, August, I guess I'll just catch up on, you know, all my uh, movies and shows that I want to watch because that'll be it. Then again, you know, August starts preseason football so I'll just turn my attention and watch every single preseason game so maybe it's just July so you know baseball you know just keeps on screwing their chances to increase in popularity by doing stupid things like this and it seems like there's always a negotiation problem with the players and the owners and at the bottom of it to me you know it's greed and you know when people like the owners already are all billionaires, it makes it difficult for me to side with them. I do think it's an owner problem thing and more of a player than more of a player thing. But MLB, they should be ashamed of themselves uh, for this happening uh, to them. And I don't think they recover for a while, even with all the great players that are in Major League Baseball. I don't think it recovers. And actually, you know, who I feel bad for you know, more than the players and the uh, owners. It's the reporters. It's the sports writers who make a living, you know, writing off things like that. And now that there's no games, there's no fans, there's no money generated. So worst case scenario for baseball just happened. Congratulations 
to the league, to Commissioner Rob Manfred, who does a terrible job, and I agree with Marcus Stroman, that they should fire him. I don't know what the protocol is for Rob Manfred to be fired. I don't know if it's some sort of voting or impeachment type. But yes, I think it would be good to overthrow Rob Manfred as the commissioner of baseball. He has done a lousy job uh, in his tenure. Uh, To me, the worst commissioner of all four major league sports. I know Roger Goodell gets booed, but I honestly think he does a great job in providing uh, Great football entertainment for the fans and players alike. He gets an A. Adam Silver, you know, players love him. Fans love him. Everybody loves Adam Silver. So, again, he gets an A. NBA is competitive and growing. Gary Bettman of the NHL. Uh, He's a bad commissioner. I'll throw him bad, but he's not Rob Manfred. A tight bad. So, I agree. You need a real commissioner in there. If you're taking job applicants, uh, I'll sign up. And, you know, who knows? You can see Josh be the commissioner of the MLB. I'll help the players out, and I'll get this thing back on track. So that's the MLB. Uh, looks like it's going to be done for a while, so I'll be quiet on the MLB until they resume games. Then I'm now going to give you my top five teams in the NHL at this point. In the season, closing in on trade deadline, only two months left. Who are the top five teams? Number five, Pittsburgh Penguins, yes, sitting there at 74 points. They've won two in a row, and, you know, their most recent game that they beat, you know, they beat the New York Rangers. Tristan Jari outplayed Igor Shesterkin, who, a great Ranger goalie. Oh, look at him. But guess what? Tristan Jari... Outplayed him, made more saves than him, shut the Rangers out. Great win by them, you know, to stay second in the Metro uh, division. That was a great win by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Sidney Crosby, back to MVP level form, great defensively. This team is right there with the best of them. Number four, the Florida Panthers. Is sitting there at 75 points, slower, bit slower right now than they've been there on a three-game losing streak. But still, they have been one of the top teams, especially offensively. You know, they've scored uh, 218 goals, which is tied for, you know, first in the league. A goal differential of 57, which is third in the league. Uh, Florida Panthers are still a really good hockey team and is up there with the best of them, with, you know, the Penguins, the Lightning, all of them. This is a good team. So who's number three? It's a team that's number one in their division, and that's uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. Again, why? Well, they're on a five-game winning streak. They've won eight out of their past ten games. Uh, This team is as hot as any team in hockey right now. So they get to be at number three. 76 points, third most in the league. Nobody wants to play Tampa Bay, I believe, come playoff time. Number two, the Carolina Hurricanes. Guess what? They got back to playing more games, and they are winning a lot of those games. They have the second highest goal differential at plus 59, outscoring their opponents by a wide, wide margin. Carolina is getting it done 
in all facets of the game, uh, offense, defense, and goaltending. Uh, Carolina, you know, this is a team that I think is growing, is improving, and knocking on the door. But number one is still the Colorado Avalanche. Tied for first in goals. Highest goal differential at plus 65 on a four-game winning streak. They've won eight out of the past ten. They have the most wins at 40. Least amount of losses at 10. 84 points. Only team over 80. I think they're winning the President's Cup trophy. I think they'll be the best regular season team. It seems like there is no stopping the Colorado Avalanche at this point. Not Vegas, who's done it in the past. Looks like Colorado is the class of the West and of hockey right now. It's not the Vegas Golden Knights who it's been for a while in the West. It's not Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. No, it's the Colorado Avalanche. So those are my top five teams. The Penguins, the Panthers, the Lightning, the Hurricanes, and the Avalanche. Now tonight, there is two hockey games on tonight, so I'll pick two. The first is the St. Louis Blues and the New York Rangers. Who am I picking tonight? Well, I'm picking the Blues to win tonight, who've been better as of late. You know, seven wins for the Rangers, five. They're scoring a lot more goals than the Rangers, kind of doubling them up, four to two as well. Uh, so, you know... I think Igor Shesterkin, a phenomenal goalie, but sometimes their offense does get a little quiet. Uh, and I think the Blues are a more, you know, well-rounded team uh, as well. I think this would be a great battle, you know, clash between two different conferences. But I like the St. Louis Blues to win. I like Jordan Bennington and Net for this game. Uh, I think the Blues win this one. And then there's Nashville and the Seattle Kraken. Seattle Kraken has lost seven in a row. So tonight, I'm saying they lose eight in a row. Uh, Nashville wins this game tonight uh, behind the great defenseman, Roman Yossi, uh, winger, uh, Philip Forsberg. Nashville, I don't think, has any problems with the Seattle Kraken uh, whatsoever. Then, just wrapping up quickly, college football. Quarterback of the Michigan Wolverines, J.J. McCarthy, firing shots at Ohio State, saying all he knows is beating Ohio State. And hey, all the confidence to him because guess what? He's never lost to Ohio State. And there's always the storylines of, you know, what is it wrong with, you know, Michigan? Why can't they beat Ohio State? Or why can't this team, you know, break the hump and beat the team when... You know, you look at the players and it's a cycle of, you know, anywhere from three to five years. And it's not like the players stay and it's a player mentality. It's just finally breaking through. And they did. And guess what? Most of the players on Michigan know what it's like to beat Ohio State. And they're 1-0. Most of the players on Ohio State are 0-1. So I think it's great that J.J. McCarthy is has all this confidence and is saying that all props to you. Let's keep that up, though, and, you know, let's say that again next year as well. All we know is to beat Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State's going to use that as fuel. Better be ready, J.J. Then in college basketball, last night I picked two games and went one and one. The first game I was right on, Wisconsin. Wisconsin beat Purdue 
in a dramatic finish. Great finish where Wisconsin took the lead off the glass. Then Purdue came. Jaden Ivey answered with the three. And Wisconsin, again, game-winning three-pointer off the glass. And they win the Big Ten with that shot, with that game, 70-67. Fantastic game by Wisconsin. Well-played, deserving of the Big Ten champions or, you know, or the Big Ten division. We'll see how the conference champion uh, tournament plays out. Great win there by Wisconsin. Then the game I picked wrong. I picked USC to beat Arizona. And Arizona ran USC out of the gym, out of the court, whatever you want to say. Uh, throttled them, beat them down until there were no more. Exterminated them. Just a bad showing by USC, who looked inept and not even uh, in the same ballpark. So what happened because of that? Arizona clinched the number one seed of the Pac-12 conference for the Pac-12 tournament. They are the regular season champions. The Arizona Wildcats are. Uh, congratulations to them. Uh, USC, you know, now you're battling for second place this weekend against UCLA. And this happens to also be the last week of college basketball. Why is this uh, impactful? Why is this big? Well, Coach K's final regular season week, he just had his uh, last road game yesterday, won Pittsburgh. Now he's coaching his final home game, and it happens to be the rivalry against North Carolina, which I think will be a fantastic game. Tickets are going like crazy, selling high like crazy. Uh, That's memorable. Then as a Michigan fan, uh, Michigan looks to clinch. You know, big win yesterday against Michigan State. Uh, I think they need one more win. Uh, to clinch a spot in the March Madness. Uh, They got two tough games, Iowa and Ohio State. I think they win one of those. Hunter Dickinson plays like he's been playing. Great win. So here we go. Great finish to college basketball season. You got NBA inching closer to the playoffs as well. Looks like March is going to be a good sports month. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.